0: Wonderful. Well, isn't it good to be here today? The only thing that's not good is you're not in England, but it's okay. I'm, I'm working with it. I'm working with it. You know, when you go to Walmart in this country um, or any big store, you see, as you go through the lobby, you see a big board and it's a sad board, it's, it says sometimes have you seen them or there's a 1-800 number and there are people who are missing, they've gone missing in, uh, it, uh, somehow and I always, when I go into one of those stores when I come here, I always sort of stop and look, I did it yesterday, I stopped and I looked and I find that an incre- incredibly sad and um, uh, things that you read on there, I read recently a seven year old girl abducted from outside the front of her home, missing, have you seen her? Uh, I saw two San Diego children missing. Where are they? I caught this one because it had the same name as mine. Six-year-old Cassandra Williamson was abducted from my ho- own home in St. Louis while eating breakfast. And sadly, when I read up on that, I think her body was found later. A couple of teenage girls in California were abducted at gunpoint. Where are they? Missing. You know, and there's an incredibly sad board. I don't know if the AV man can just put some time up there for me. That would be great. Thank you you know, many years ago, uh, my youngest daughter, Lois, who is age four, got lost on a campsite uh, in France. We were holidaying. And I can tell you, as a parent, it's a frightening experience to actually uh, realize that your child has gone missing. And I remember calling out for her and shouting. and, And I don't know if you're a parent, you feel the panic that rise up inside of you. You know, you... You wonder what's going on. I was well aware that there was a river nearby, a very deep river inlet, and I was extremely worried that she would get down at four years of age, not realize the danger. And so I frantically, pa- panicked, and frantically ran around the campsite in between RVs. You know, I can't even really describe the panic I experienced as I ran between the RVs and the buildings trying to find her. What a relief it was when she just sort of popped her head up and said, Hi, Dad. You know, and I said, Oh, hello, darling. Just about to do that to me. Okay, just. That That's what I felt like, okay? I had no idea where Lois was, and she probably had no idea that as far as I was concerned, she was lost, but I remember shouting at the top of my voice, Lois, wherever you are, don't go near the water, don't go near the water, walk towards the RVs, because I was frightened she was going to drown. You know, those words are simple, uncomplicated words, but if she was in danger near that river, then those simple words could be life-saving if they're heeded to. Here's a question for you today. Thinking back to those missing children adverts in the Walmart lobby, if you had a child that was lost and you had a chance to get a message to that child, telling them what to do, how to get home, would you make the message simple or complicated? Well, we all know we make it pretty simple. And when Lois got lost on that French campsite, you know, I remember, uh, uh, would it have been better to shout out the GPS coordinates to her? No, no, no. Those words don't go near the water. Walk towards the RVs. Are incredibly life changing if she heeds to them. And I love the simple title of your sermon season that you're preaching here. Jesus is because under that preaching, there's enough under that title. There's enough preaching material till Jesus comes back and right through the next ten million millenniums. Okay, and I want to speak on one of those great Jesus is themes today. And in fact, I want to think on the great theme of the Bible which is uh, a theme that you just can't go wrong with it. And, And it's a wonderfully powerful truth. And the Bible has great stories to illustrate it of how this truth comes to people and transforms their lives. And I'm praying this morning that as I'm preaching, God will give us some understanding of this, but particularly if you're not a Christian here today. I'm praying that as you hear my words, you'll get a handle on this truth and it will powerfully transform your life. What is the great Jesus is truth about Jesus today? Well, very simple. It's so simple, folks, you probably all know this, but I love the story of this. Jesus is salvation. That's who he is. Now, it won't matter what translation of the Bible you use, or you can't get away from this word. It's explained, it's demonstrated, it's implied, it's weaved into every chapter of the Bible. And we're going to read a chapter from Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 34, and we're going to look at a story, and I'm going to give you a few thoughts about Jesus' salvation this morning. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, says these words. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose and the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must, we, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. I love the fact you're doing all these baptismal services. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. So in this passage, we have two preachers, Paul and Silas. And uh, they have a man who comes to them and he asks them, the jailer asks, he says, what do I do to be saved? In other words, what is salvation? How do I experience this? Now folks, you may have been coming to this church for a while and this may be one of the big questions you're asking. You're asking, well, what does it mean to be saved? What is salvation all about? How do I experience this? I mean, maybe you've been on an alpha course or, a, you know, a beginner's course in the church, or, or maybe a friend has been talking to you about this great church, and they dropped in this phrase. They said to you, you know, I've been down the river. I just got saved at Riverside. And you're thinking, why, were they down by the river? Did they fall in or something like that? What was all that about, Okay. Or maybe your partner or friend recently came to experience Jesus as they were trying to find the real meaning of life. And they have started coming home, they started using these words, you know, salvation. Pastor John talks about being saved, you know. And that guy who doesn't dress very good, he talks about being saved as well, okay. He's talking about that stuff. And you're thinking, well, what's all that... Being saved and saved you know, I've got some savings in the bank, maybe they mean that, or I made some savings down at the grocery store this week. You know, in England, we have a sad group of people called train spotters. They sit in, they sit in stations, uh, railway stations, and they, they spot trains, and on the front of the train is a number, and they write the number down in a book, and they've got loads of numbers in the book. I mean, how sad is that? But that's what they do. They save train numbers. Now, what can you do with 50 million train numbers? What do you do with them again? I mean, but they are a sad group of people. Maybe that's what they're all on about down at Riverside. And then people have for centuries asked the same question. How can I be saved? What is salvation? You know, in the Bible, in Acts chapter 8, there was a, an Ethiopian government official, and he reads, he's reading from the Bible. The Bible says he's reading from Isaiah 53, and it's a great passage on salvation. He reads these words. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He's reading these words. He doesn't quite understand them. He's sort of asking, "What's all this salvation thing?" And a man called Philip, who's an evangelist, comes up to him, and uh, he 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 says he says to him he says to him, "You know, uh, can I help you?" And in Acts chapter eight verse thirty four, it says Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and he said, "Do you understand what you're reading?" Now, if you're a King James Version guru, okay, it says these words, and Philip. Ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, "Understandest thou what thou readest?" Now, folks, can you imagine talking like that when you went down to Walmart? You go to the lady who's checking out, okay, and you go, uh, "How is how est is your dayeth today? How many customers have you, have you serveth today?" Okay, so it's sort of really quaint, old Testament, uh, uh, old old English reading, okay. But what is, what the Treasury Minister was asking? What is salvation? He didn't understand it. Martin Luther, who was one of the Protestant uh, figures of the Reformation in the 16th century, he was a Catholic priest, and in his study of the Bible, he couldn't quite grasp his other, and he started asking, what is salvation? And that, question, that began to question the authority of the Bible, and it even challenged the authority of the Pope. So, folks, even Catholics, even Catholics... Are asking the question, what is salvation? Because they know that what they have is not what I'm talking about today. I mean, we have some present day examples in our own church. You know, in 2013, we just uh, done a little video on all of it. 2013, we had a number of guests coming in to speak to us on a Sunday night. Every Sunday night, we have an evangelistic service in our church. And we had some interesting people come. We had a guy come called Des Brown. Des Brown is actually one of our pastors, but he murdered somebody. And he said, when I murdered somebody and actually didn't go to prison for it, he said, I began to ask some questions about the Bible. began to ask some questions about Jesus. He said, I began to ask a question about salvation. We had another guy come called Steve Derbyshire. He was a hardened drug addict. He said, well, I was sitting on the floor, and he says, "In in my dirt and in my degradation... He said, I began to think back to those days when my parents talked to me about this thing and he said, what is salvation? Simon Foster came and talked to us, okay. He was in the entertainment scene and uh, he he was actually, he was a gay man and uh, he said, you know, I was living a gay lifestyle. I, was comp- I hated myself. He said, and I began to ask the question, what, 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 what is salvation today? He's one of our pastors. Uh, a man called Jonathan Aiken, who was a member of parliament in England. He was disgraced because of perjury, uh, went to prison. He began to sit down. He began to ask the question, what is salvation all about? And uh, I'm happy to report that God made the answer to that question really simple to every one of these people. And you say, "Well, look, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a clever government person. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not like a member of parliament. I'm not an educated theologian like Martin Luther. But you know, the Bible wants you. The Bible tells us that it wants you to actually know Jesus as the saviour. Whatever socioeconomic situation you find yourself in today." Jesus wants to be revealed to you as the saviour. And salvation is so simple and plain that oftentimes intellectual giants stumble over it, while little children have no trouble believing it. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven, because you've hidden these things from the wise, and you've revealed them to little children. I want to tell you, God stresses the simplicity of salvation. God wants you to enjoy the wonderful, life-changing truth called salvation. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 9, God's not willing that any should perish. And today, God's not holding back on salvation for you. He wants you to know salvation even more than you want to know it. Let me tell you, that's why he came out of heaven. That's why he traveled to earth. That's why he was squeezed into bodily form born in a cave somewhere. That's why in a few weeks time you're going to celebrate Easter. What is that all about? That's all about the salvation plan of Jesus. And it's all about you experiencing it. So we come to this scripture in Acts chapter 16. And in this story, the great question, what must I do to be saved, is being asked by the jailer. And first of all, I just want to show you here this morning that the Bible says that Jesus is what? He is the meaning of salvation. The jailer asked in Acts 16, verse 30, what must I do to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Well, you've got it on the screen there, okay. There's a Greek word there. It's, called, it, it's pronounced "sodzo." It means to be delivered. To be saved is to be delivered. To be delivered from what? What was this Philippian jailer? Wanting to be saved from. Well, some say, well, you know, there's a massive earthquake, so he probably wanted to be saved from the earthquake. No, no, the earthquake was over when he said this. Some say, well, he wanted to be saved from his superiors because they're going to kill him because the prisoners escaped. No, no, the prisoners didn't get away. Uh, Paul and Silas said, we're all present. We're all here. You don't need to worry. He said, "What must I do to be saved. Saved from what? Delivered from what? And sometimes at the end of these sort of messages and at the end of church, we give an invitation and we invite lost people to be saved. And we have to say, well, saved from what? What are they talking about down there? And, Paul, and Peter says in the first Christian sermon in Acts 2, he says, "'Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved.'" Saved from what? Well, to answer that question, you have to go back to the beginning of the New Testament, and you have to go back to the Christmas story, and you have to allow an angel to answer the question. Because when the angel announced the birth of Christ to Joseph and Mary, he said in Matthew one twenty one, "'He will give birth to a son, she will give birth to a son, "'and you are to give him the name Jesus.'" Because he will, what? He will save his people from their sin. Ah, ah, that's what it's all about. He will save his people from their sin. So to be saved, when we use these terms, is to be saved from your sin. Now folks, people don't like that word anymore, do they? Sin. They find it offensive. So it's interesting, when we find something offensive or we don't like it, we change the term. We don't quite use the word anymore. But the Bi- folks, sin is a Bible word. You can't read the Bible without encountering sin. You know, there was a time when drunkenness was a sin. Ooh. So we call it a disease. There was a time when pregnancy out of wedlock was a sin. Oh, don't use that. Now we say, well, it was a mistake. Oh, it was an accident. Children rebel against their parents. We used to call sin. Oh, no, we mustn't use that word because they may grow up a little, a little strange. Now we say, no, don't use the word sin. Let's say our children are slightly maladjusted. People shacking up and living together. It used to be called a sin. Oh, now we're in a state of cohabitation. <laughs> Abortion was a sin. Oh, now we call it freedom of choice. Dare I say this? I have to if I'm a Christian preacher. Homosexual acts were a sin. Now we say people enjoy an alternative lifestyle. Do you remember when gossip was a sin? We now call it a prayer request. (laughs) I'll pray for so and so. You know this is they've gone this route. You know we have a thing in England called betting offices. It's Uh, It's the equivalent, I think, of your off-track betting. But we have sort of shops, stores, where you can go in and you can put a bet on the horses. And I I have one of these around the corner from my house. We have uh, some shops around the corner, stores around the corner from my house. And uh, I I have a garage. We say garage in England. A garage attached to my house. And someone parked across my garage and I couldn't get my car out. So on a Saturday afternoon, I thought, I know, I know where that person is. They're, they're, in, the, they're in the betting office. And so I strode down to the betting office. I was thinking, what am I going to do when I get in there anyway? So, and um, I thought, I know, I'll just shout out to them. Anyone got a Ford Focus, Red Fold Focus? Can they come and move it? It's outside my garage. Um, but then as I got towards the betting office, I thought, you know, I'm a Christian pastor. I probably shouldn't be going in here. So I got to the doors and I looked around to make sure no one in my congregation was going past and I shot in, okay. And then I you know, I shouted out, no one responded to me and I came out the doors going up the doors, I looked around again. Just, okay. Why? Because because gossip could happen to me. You know, Willie Nelson was a famous country and western singer who got he got caught diddling the, the IRS man out of thirty two million dollars before the government called him he built his own he bought, he built his own golf course on his own land and someone asked him what par was on his course and he said it's my golf course the par is what i decide <laughs> and that's how a lot of people approach sin these days they think they can just define it for themselves Never mind what God thinks about it. If they feel something is okay, then it's okay. Folks, it's secular humanism. and It doesn't matter how evil happens, whether it's the killing of 17 children in a primary school in Scotland... Uh, or whether it's uh, the, the crazed man who went into the Columbine High School and killed twelve students, or whether it was the seven seven bombings that took place on the London Tube, or whether it was uh, the two thousand and one nine eleven planes flying into the Twin Towers. Okay, whether it is uh, suicide bombings or child abductions, wherever evil happens, if you turn on the TV, you will never hear these people say those people are sinners. You'll say you'll hear they're sick. And they are sick, but they are sin sick. And the Bible points out uh, the very root of the problem and it calls it what it is. It says, look, we're born with sinful nature, all of us in this room. We may hate to admit this, but we've been born with a sinful nature. There's not a spark of divinity in us. We're born with the seeds of rebellion. That's the bad news about sin. But the good news about sin is that your sin and my sin is, is there. And that's why Jesus came into the world to save us from that sin. That's the power of it. And I begin, to under, I begin to sort of unpackage some of this, and I'm thinking, well, what am I saved from? Well, let me tell you, you're saved from three things. You're saved from the penalty of sin. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The, poor, the body, uh, the Paul the Apostle, he calls it, the body of death, if you go to Romans seven twenty four, he says, What a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me, rescue me, save me from this body of death? Now, for years, I never understood that. I never understood what that meant until I read about this illustration. It says this, that in ancient Rome, they killed, animals, they killed criminals in several gr- gruesome ways. Of course, we know there was one by crucifixion. We understand that. And for some people, when they were going to be uh, dealt with by the courts, they were thrown to wild animals. But another way, when a person was convicted of a capital crime, many were executed by being attached to a dead body. Usually of someone who died of a loathsome disease like leprosy. They would tie the corpse to the back of the criminal who was required to work and to eat and to sleep with that dead body tied to him. As it decayed and decomposed, the disease would overtake the criminal who would then die a slow, agonizing, humiliating death attached to that dead body. Well, I wonder how many people in this room today actually feel that's what my life feels like. I feel as if I'm crawling around this world and I've got this thing on me that I cannot throw off. Maybe you're a Christian here today and things have happened in your life and this has crept back and it feels like a body of death, it's on your back. Uh, Folks, and you feel like you're you're dying a slow spiritual death. The Bible says we all have a body of death that's tied to us. It's called sin. But I want to tell you, Jesus came to free us from the penalty of sin. And it also, let me just say, not just the penalty of sin, but Jesus saves us from the pollution of sin. When we get saved, the Lord says, look, I'm not only going to keep you out of hell. And if you think getting saved or salvation is just to keep you out of hell, you have missed the story altogether. I want to tell you, when Jesus comes to you and he delivers you, okay, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to give you a new nature and I'm going to clean you up from the inside out and I'm going to give you power to get victory over your bad habits and you're going to learn a better way to live and I'm going to give you power to get rid of the things that don't belong in your life and I'm going to replace them with better things. Now, folks, does anybody, want that here today? Now, years ago, a man in England was in prison, but he was pardoned by the queen. A friend delivered the message to him. He says, look, I've got great news for you. You've been pardoned. You can go. You're free. And the prisoner friend showed no emotion. So the man said, don't you understand? The queen has set you free. And then the the man unbuttoned his shirt. He drew it back and it revealed a large cancerous growth in his chest. That was eating away his life and he said, ask the queen what she can do about this. Folks, it's not enough for us to be saved from just the penalty of sin. Jesus came so we can save from the pollution and the power of sin. Not just the sin that would send us to hell, but the sin that will continue to wreck our life right now. Not just in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty now and now. The Bible says, Romans 6.14, sin shall not be your master because you're not under law. But you're under grace. The Message translation said, "Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you, folks. There's no sin that you cannot grow. Get, there's no sin that you cannot gain victory over uh, by the power of Christ." Yet many of us continue to be led around by the nose by Satan himself and you think you have no control of it. But I want to tell you that Jesus has broken the power of sin in your life and you need to claim the victory and say enough is enough. Before I leave this building today, I am claiming the victory in Jesus' name today. And Jesus saves us from the penalty and the pollution of sin. And he's going to save us one day from the very presence of sin. We're going to get into heaven. Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven says we're going to get in and nothing impure is ever going to enter it. Okay. And we say, what must we do to be saved? What's saved from what? We need to be saved from sin. You can't run away from this word. You can call it what you want. You can call it an alternative lifestyle. You can call it whatever you want. You can say, I've had a bit of bad luck in my life. You can talk anything you want to talk. But at the end of the day, Jesus didn't come to give you another alternative life soul. Jesus came to deal with the root problem of your heart. And the root problem of your heart is the problem of sin. So Jesus is not just the meaning of salvation. We go on, we go on and we see that someone's involved in this. And secondly, Jesus is the man of salvation. You know, when the question was asked by the jailer of the two preachers, what must I do to be saved? They said this, Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe on what? No, no, believe on who? People claim to believe in God. Every person in hell will believe in God. People claim to believe in the plan of salvation. But I want to tell you today, you cannot be saved by the plan of salvation. You can only be saved by the man of salvation. And his name is Jesus Christ. And salvation is not in a plan or even in just a prayer. You can come forward here, okay? You can say a million prayers you want, or you can bump your, bump your knees up the steps of the Lord's as much as you want. I want to tell you, folks, you can do all of that if you want to. But let me tell you, salvation is found in no other other than the name of Jesus. Salvation is in Jesus alone. Okay, you can try your works, you can try feeling good, you can try, you can get into baptism, immersion or sprinkling, whatever you want to say. It's not about good intentions. It's not about just being saved from the guilt alone. It's all about Jesus this morning. Folks, that's why we come to this church. Why? Because you want to meet our friends? No, we come to meet with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the answer. You know, when, when, when Jesus was on the cross, he was, both sides were thieves. One of the criminals was there. And he was hurling insults at Jesus. Luke 23 talks all about it. He says, aren't you the Christ? Well, why don't you save yourself and us? But the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God? We're here because of what we've done. You're under the same sentence as me. We're punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. This man's done nothing wrong. Then he said this. He looked into the eyes of Jesus. And he said, Jesus, I'm here because of what I've done. I'm basically here because of my sin. You don't deserve to be here. And Jesus, it was like a revelation hit him. When you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? And you know what Jesus said to a man who we don't know what he did? Was he a murderer? Was he a robber? Was he an abuser? Was he just a nice man that got caught out by So I don't know. Jesus said, in answer to that question, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given to men by which we must be saved. Well, folks, it's the, it's the name of Jesus you need today. You need all the power that's in that name. You going to try a million things to try and get out of your situation, but your situation is a sin situation. Only, you can only apply Jesus to the sin situation to get out of it a woman in our church she's in her mid-forties her name is Dawn she's one of our worship leaders and um, a number of years ago before she ever knew Jesus um, well she was a 15 year old girl left the home at 15 years of age her parents had divorced she was blamed for the divorce so often kids get blamed for that sort of stuff Uh, she couldn't live with herself low self-esteem felt inferior felt the lot Messed up her life at 15 years of age, slept around, just looking for love. Father departed. As she departed, went to another country. She's just looking for love. Just messed her life up completely. Then she met a guy called Alan, who actually is now one of our elders. <laughs> um, you never know who's your elders, do you? Have you checked out the, have you checked out the uh, your elders lately? They could be bank robbers. You just don't know. <laughs> we had a guy in our church. He was a converted bank robber. He did 12 years in jail. For, and then he found the Lord and he came to see me one day he said pastor, pastor you know, if you ever need more money in the church I have a great way to get it I said well, I don't think we should use that method I said John his name was he just recently gone to heaven actually he just recently gone to heaven he used to smile and wink at me this is what he used to say to me he was an old man he, he, he had a stroke and stuff and I used to say to him John how are you feeling and he used to say never ask an old man how you are feeling he says because we'll tell you Always tell us how good we look. So whenever I saw him, he was lying on a hospital bed, getting ready to go to heaven. I walked in the hospital room and I said, "John, you're looking good today." And there was that smile on his face as he looked at me. But well, he's secure in his salvation. Well, Dawn, you know, she she met Alan, and um, they were living on you know social security benefits. They were fiddling the system. They were doing all that stuff. Okay, and uh, he was. We, we call, when you, when you steal things, we, we, we say it's off the back of a lorry. That means someone stole a trailer. That's what he used to do, steal trailers, take the goods. At one, at one stage in his front living room, he'd stolen so much chocolate. It was some chocolate from floor to ceiling, and he was trying to get rid of it. That's the sort of lifestyle he was living Okay, And... Um, And then Dawn got pregnant and had a little baby. They weren't married. And uh, she had a little baby, and she went into severe postnatal depression. And um, she became quite suicidal. Uh, She she had never never darkened the doors of a church. um, Although, having said that, we think she probably did come to one of our children's clubs at one stage when she was very, very small. And uh, she became suicidal. Alan said, you know, although Alan's a big man, he said, you never fight with Dawn because she, she scratched her eyes out. She, she was a, he said she was awful. Just Got any women like that here today? No, probably not. Not in America. It doesn't happen in America. I understand that. Um, anyway, she went to a little club. It went to a little group. It was like We call them mother and toddlers. They're like when mothers take their babies and all the mothers get together they have coffee and chat, you know, and nothing manly about that, is there? It's just it's a womanly thing. But she got in there with all these women. It wasn't a church, it was just a little hall, and they used to meet on a Wednesday or something. And she began to tell a story to a lady. This is, this is how I feel, I feel suicidal, I feel depressed, I just, this has been my life. This lady said these words to her, do you know what you need? You need Jesus. She said, the moment I heard the name Jesus, I knew he was my answer. The moment, and she said, immediately my life changed. I heard the name of Jesus. And folks, her life changed, and she went back to her, uh, her partner, and she said, Alan, you know, I've, I've given my life to Jesus. He went, oh, boy, that's all we need right now, okay? Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, she invited him to a Bible study, but called it a party. She invited him, she come to a party, and it was a Bible study. He so said, I turned up for the party, I was already a groove around, he says. And he says, "Look, well, the Bible's open okay? But in that Bible study, he said, I found Jesus as well. And he said, all of that lifestyle changed immediately. I want to tell you folks, we have the meaning of salvation, but it's the man of salvation that will cause you to grab what I'm talking about today. We can preach till the cows come home, if the cows ever come home. I don't know what that means, okay. You can preach till then, okay. Okay, you can do all this stuff, okay. But until Jesus touches your life, nothing's gonna change. But the moment he touches your life, not his church, not religion, not Pastor John, not the Pope, not a priest, Jesus, the moment he touches your life, folks, life is never the same again. Oh, folks. Oh, Jesus is salvation. Let me f- f- finally finish. Jesus is not just that. He's not just the meaning and the manner of salvation. I tell you, Jesus is the method of salvation. You know, in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, it says, Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can believe in God mentally or intellectually. Well, demons believe that too, and they shudder, the Bible says. The Bible counsels not just to believe in God, but to believe on Him emotionally and spiritually you know there was a man I read about who wouldn't fly in a plane and when he was asked about it he said look I know everyone flies in planes I know it intellectually but emotionally I can't handle it and then one day he realized because he never flew in a plane the world was never open to him and he realized that and he says, listen I'm a grown man I'm wasting time I've got to get this together. So he went out and he bought a ticket and he got on board and he buckled himself in and he went to his destination and while he was on the way, his knuckles were white all the way. Have you ever been on a plane with people who are frightened like that? He held them for dear life, okay, but he made it. What was the difference, okay? He believed in aeroplanes, but now he believed on the aeroplane. And millions believe in Jesus by the head, but when they stand before God, they'll realize it's not the head is enough because they never believed on Jesus in their heart and they missed it by 18 inches. Oh, folks, you can be so close this morning. You can get intellectually stirred. But until it touches your heart and Jesus touches your heart, nothing's going to happen. You know, Jerome, who was, the, uh, was an early church father, who translated the Bible from Greek to Latin, said one night, he said, I had a dream. And Jesus came into my house in the dream to visit me. And when he saw Jesus, he thought, what he needs is money and possessions. So he gathered up all of his money and all of his possessions and gave them as a gift to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him. And said this, Jerome, I do not want your money or possessions. He said, Lord, what do you want? Jesus says, I want your sin. That's what I came here to get. Jerome later said, In my dream, I gave Jesus my sin and he gave me eternal life. What an exchange! you can try and buy your way here you can try and do good work you can try and do the lot all Jesus wants is your sinful heart today is he able to do it? is he big enough to do it? has he got enough power to do it? is there enough resource to touch your sin broken life today? Can he mend you? Does he, has he got the wherewithal to do it? Has he done it before? Is he a weak king? or is he a great king? I want to tell you Jesus is a great king, so I just want you to look at the screen right now and get some inspiration from this video right now. Do you think Jesus can do what he needs to do in your life today? Sincere, strong, steadfast, graceful, powerful, merciful, unique, unparalleled, unprecedented, supreme, preeminent, strong, saves, guards, guides, heals, forgives, discharges debtors, delivers, knowledge, wisdom, deliverer, peace, righteousness, mighty, conqueror, goodness, love. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. He always has been and he always will be. There was nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. Let me tell you, Jesus... It's salvation today. And I just, we sing this song. This morning, God is just tucking, touching, and tugging at your heart. You've not given your life to Christ yet. You say, this is my moment. Right now, this is my moment, okay? As we begin to sing this song again, I want you to leave your seat and come down the front, okay? And there'll be the prayer team here, and they're going to pray with you this morning. And if... You feel, as a Christian, you feel like that body of death has got back on you. Okay, and you say, I've got to get this off me this morning. I want to tell you, Jesus is here to deliver you this morning. He's here to bring freedom to you this morning. So as we sing this song, you leave your seat and you come. If you want to come with a friend, that's okay. Uh, you know, But you come as we sing this song right now.